Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah. And if you have a teen daughter or a young adult daughter, or preteen daughter, or any kind of daughter, then you have probably asked yourself, you know, how do I stay connected with a child who's evolving, a child dealing with hormones and dealing with the pandemic and dealing with teen troubles? Um, And Sherry Gazette is uh, the teen wise mama. And uh, she ha- she's a life coach for young girls and, and parents trying to bridge that gap and keep that healthy relationship with their teen girls. Hello, Sherry. How are you? Hello. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you were here. Definitely. The, the pandemic has taken a real hit on teens. Do you want to describe a bit on what you've seen um, different now than what used to be? Yeah, I mean, we've all been listening about the mental health crisis that our teens and tweens are in right now. There's so many factors that um, contribute to that, but one of them is that they're not allowed the space to individuate as they normally would during these times. So it's a time where usually they're out exploring, making new connections, but they've been, you know, holed up in the house with their parents for way too much time. For their, um, for their liking. And so what we see is a disconnection because they need to create their space somehow. Most of our kids are back in school now, but there's still, there's um, long-term effects from being with their parents just too much and not being with their peers. So we see Have anxiety, you... depression, suicidal ideation, um, social anxiety, germophobia, you know, there's so many things have come up. So I know there are a lot of kids who are really just kind of in their rooms, (laughs) you know, I mean, now they can come out of their rooms, but they've kind of gotten used to being in their rooms. Um, And there was already kind of a danger of online life and real life and blurred lines and where is the real life? You know, you and I are connecting online and this is my real life. This is your real life. Um, But, you know, is that kind of what you've seen as far as teens kind of stay, stay, staying in their rooms more or what have you seen from there? Well, first of all, staying in their rooms, even though it doesn't seem like it, that was a healthy alternative to them being in school and being with their friends. They needed their space to just be without their parental entities around, without us around, right? So that in and of itself is not abnormal. It was their coping um, mechanism and their way of getting that space. So what's happened, though, is that in that time, that's like, as you mentioned, it's become the habit. They come home, they go in their room. Now, the real issue has come up when teens exit their room and then what happens? So many times the parents um, and myself included in this sometimes is we don't say like we're excited to see them. What do we ask? We ask about chores. We ask about why they're in there. We we complain about how much time they're online, um, how much homework they haven't done yet, what their grades are. So they're, when they peek their, their face out of their room, they're bombarded by all these things that they don't want to talk about. So we have to think about that initial encounter with our kids, whether they're coming home from school or coming out of their room, that it's a positive, that they want to have that interaction. It's not something that they're going to avoid. 
Oh, great. Great thing. And yes, it is as a parent, it's hard because the, I mean, you know, it's scary as a parent. It's like, well, what do you mean? Like they just don't have to do homework because they don't want to talk about it. Like that, that, that can't just be what's happening. Cause we used to have teachers kind of have the accountability and with online schooling, um, more of that space, the parents became the, uh, the, uh, bad cop, I guess, you know, there's a good cop, bad cop, you know, before it was kind of the teacher, it was parents and teachers, but, but I know my kids perform a lot differently for a teacher doing schoolwork versus when I was homeschooling them. And I have a great relationship with my kids, but they were just becoming the teacher rather than the mom was very tough. And I really like that you pointed that out. Yeah. And it's not that we don't ever ask about it at all. It's about that first encounter. What are, what are we constantly starting our conversations with? And as far as the homework, that is another change that we as parents had to go through and transition back to not being the homework police or the teacher that it's okay. If our kids don't get their homework done, they're going to feel the consequences when they go to school and their teacher asks them for their homework and they don't have it ready or their grade falls. That is their natural consequence. That is not our responsibility as parents. Now, what we can do is support them in setting up healthy ways to do homework, to organize their time and their space. But we shouldn't have to nag them all of the time to get their homework done. It just sets up an unhealthy dynamic and they start to avoid you because they don't want to always talk about homework. So what do teens want to talk to their parents about? If there if there's a way to open that door, what uh, what do teens usually want to talk to their parents about? For every teen that's different, for every kid that's different. So we as parents have to figure that out. What are our kids interested in? And if you've got that kid that doesn't want to talk at all, if you find what lights them up, that's what you're going to talk about. If they love Pokemon, you're talking about Pokemon. If they love some TV show, you're going to talk about that. Whatever it is that you see that they are interested in, that's what you're going to talk about. Even if you don't love it, if you hate it, you despise it, let's say it's Pokemon, um, you are going to talk about it because you love your kid, not because Mm -hmm. you love Pokemon. My son and I have been uh, both Beyblading and then playing chess. And I'm not sure which one I dislike more. You know, <laughs> chess, I have to think about it and I'm terrible. And then Beyblading is just like, you know, spinning, spinning plastic. Um, and it is something, of course, that's not what I would choose to do. There are certain things my son and I do connect on this a little easier, but, but right. it is. And my husband came in, he goes, I'm so proud of you for Beyblading with him. I was like, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. You know? Um, but okay. So, uh, what are some openers? Do you have any kind of soft openers for if parents feel like there's a bad dynamic between them and their teen right now? Um, kind of some soft conversation openers. Yeah. So I think soft is the key word here. Don't go in interrogation style. I know that we sometimes get so excited to find out what happened in our kids' day. We're like, how was your day? What did you do? What homework do you have? You know, who did you sit with? All of these things, like, you know, question after question. We can just be there, first of all. That's a connection. Physically being in the same space as our kids. So if you pick them up from school and you're in the car, don't feel like I have to talk right now to connect with my kid. 
literally your energy is being passed just while you're sitting in the car together. So time together physically is important. And the other piece is that soft piece. Like you said, you can just say like, I'm so happy to see you, or I missed you today. Or you can talk a little bit about what you did first. And then you can say, did you do anything fun today? So again, thinking about what topics are you bringing up um, instead of the typical, how much homework do you have today? How was school today? Um, How'd your test go? Gearing it towards the things they love. So a soft opener, if, um, you know, they love Fortnite, for instance, would be, oh my gosh, did you see a new edition of Fortnite came out? Something again that they're excited about. Awesome. So what are some, we talked a bit before we kind of recorded in about kind of the identity and that when kids are younger, they're almost like immersed in the parent experience. And the parent, I I remember listening to a mom and she said, I can't go on vacation with my spouse. My kid's like, my right arm. If I don't see them and I'm not around them, like, what am I even going to do? And that can become really problematic as teens get older and they're supposed to separate from you, right? But then if you feel like your right arm is being jerked off your body, there that creates more conflict at a time where you're probably hoping for there to be less conflict. Is that what you've seen? Right. So what happens when our kids hit about middle school, which coincides with puberty, right, is our kids are changing and they're wired to push us away. Now, we can still have a connection, but we need to allow them independence. So if we think in terms of our kids are a piece of us, right, we have to learn to let that piece go. And with that comes that grief process. We have to grieve the little kid, that relationship we had with them, and allow for the new emerging young adult to spread their wings. I like to um, think of it in terms of like a butterfly in a cocoon, right? If you have this cocoon and the butterfly is trying to emerge, if you're holding tightly onto that cocoon, the butterfly can't come out. Eventually, what they're going to do is push so hard that they'll get out of there but your relationship is disconnected. So we have to think of that, allowing the butterfly to emerge. If they have to push that hard, it can get not pretty. They can um, be very rebellious, very hateful, very resentful. So we have to give them that space. So for us, Sarah, what you mentioned is this idea of if my kid's not with me, who am I? What do I even do? It's our job as parents to figure that out Um, individually. So we have to become whole people without our children. And in middle school, we've only got like six-ish years before they're off and out of the house. So who are you? What do you like? What are your interests? And the other reason it's important to do that, not just for your healthy relationship with your child, but also your role modeling, what that means to be a whole fulfilled person and your children are watching you. If all you are are doing is just living their life, then they don't see you being fulfilled. And that's important that they know that's that's a piece of life is to know yourself and to explore and you know do things that develop your interests. Well, and it's one of the biggest protections we can give our daughters against toxic relationships in the future, which uh, would be very uh, keen to my listeners. Um, Because when we talk about boundaries, we hardly ever talk about boundaries with children that are still young enough to be in the home. 
Mm. Right. It's like you can have conversations about boundaries at work, conversations about boundaries with adults, you know, our parents. But to have the conversations with boundaries of like, this is where I start and this is where I end and this is where my young child starts and this is where I end. It's just not a conversation people are having. Right. But when it's all enmeshed, the chances of them being in a toxic relationship are actually higher um, in unhealthy friendships and whatnot. Yeah, and we have this weird thing going on in society right now that if you are the mom that's depleted and totally just about your kids, it's glorified, but it's Mm -hmm. so unhealthy. Like you said, it's, it's modeling relationships for our kids at a young age. You are the first relationship they're ever going to experience. So you Mm -hmm. have to teach them what it means to be your own person while you're in a relationship. And like, let's face it, if our kids were in a, a romantic relationship and all they were doing was catering to that person, we would be like, hold up. This is not healthy. This is not how a relationship is supposed to be. But if we do that as parents with our kids, that's what we've taught them. Well, absolutely. And especially in the conversations around daughters, because I kind of joke like, well, when is my daughter's expiration date? Like, Right now, it's important for her to have rest. It's important for her to have interest. It's important for her to have hobbies. It's important for her to be building skills. At what point does that stop for her? And then she's glorified for being depleted, being tired, Mm -hmm. being never taking care of herself, never take, you know, at what point? And when I kind of ask mothers that, they kind of like, oh, but but I'm curious. (laughs) I just, you know, at what point that? Sarah, already they in high school, the girls specifically glorify that behavior. So they will talk about how little sleep they got, how Mm -hmm, much they're mm -hmm. stressed out. And it's like a pat on the back from other people. They try to outdo each other. I only got one hour of sleep because I was working so hard and getting my homework done. So um, it starts young. No, I have heard teens say that within the last month. I have heard that conversation within the last month. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure I may have responded by, well, science doesn't agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure your cognitive functioning is not improved from the, the one hour of sleep, but you know, if you want to argue with scientists, I mean, you can like, that's, you know, there's lots of people who study sleep. It's fine. You know? Um, but yeah. And I actually, I have a, a a son I love, a husband I love, and a father I love. So I try not to get too too far into the feminist conversation, but I have heard that that was kind of another way to oppress women, right? If women are um, not exhausted and they're vibrant and they're, you know, that can be um, really kind of dangerous, quote unquote, for society. And so as long as we like say, oh, but women, you are so valued. If you are tired, if you are only worried about your kids, if your only life was within your kids, then, you know, I've actually heard that like within kind of the anti-feminist argument. Um, I hadn't heard that. That's interesting. It makes sense though. Yeah, it it does. It's kind of the new way of keeping women down, which I love men and women and I'm not a man hater at all, but, uh, it, but it's worth mentioning in this yeah. conversation. Yeah. And, you know, I don't even know if that comes from men or if we yeah. as women do that to ourselves, uh-huh. you know, I, it's, we talked about parent peer pressure a little bit before we got on air. And I think that's part of it that especially with social media is that we women are trying to outdo each other 
or, uh, you know, you've seen the accounts where it's all about how exhausted they are because they're doing this and this and this. And while I commend those moms, um, I'm also thinking, so don't do that, you know, and I know yeah. that there's some situations where, yes, we have to work hard to pay the bills and we have to get things done for our kids. And especially moms who have kids with special needs, it mm-hmm. is exhausting. And you have some things that you can let go. Well, and let's chat about how letting go can add, help with conflict in the house, because I know a lot of people listen to this thinking, whoa, there's a lot of conflict between me and my team. Um, and being exhausted, feeling overwhelmed, playing the martyr. Well, don't you know all that I've done for you? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's this idea that if we make all these sacrifices, of course, we make sacrifices as parents. Of course, we make sacrifices as parents. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, kind of getting into that, everything's on a spectrum and getting into that unhealthy version of the spectrum, we almost kind of think, well, our kids will be even nicer to us and more sweet to us and more um, attached to us and, and, you know, connected with us because of all that I'm doing. Um, Is that what you see? Or do you see the opposite or something in the middle? No, it's the opposite because when it gets to that level, it's about parenting in an intrusive way versus an involved way. So we want to be involved. We want to be connected with our children, know what's going on with them. What we don't need to be there in every moment of their life. That's not the way that they're going to grow and evolve. And if we become too intrusive, our kids begin to resent us. Because oftentimes that time that we are around, it's about micromanaging versus connecting. In fact, there was research done. This is kind of an inadvertent um, finding from this research they were doing, comparing inner city kids with um, affluent kids. And they found that the kids from, I should say, low income families, they found that those kids were more connected with their parents. And the reason was because in the affluent homes, The parents were there much more, but they were constantly pushing them, micromanaging. They were intrusive. And that does not build a healthy, positive connection. I love that information. Um, Any, what are your favorite ways to connect with teens other than talking to them about uh, some with the soft openers? Um, What are some ways we can Because I know, I know, I know some of my listeners right now are like, oh, crap, yes, I've been micromanaging and I want to connect. So Mm -hmm. what are some of your favorite ways to connect with teens? So uh, the biggest thing is to listen, to stop feeling like you need to fix it all. I know, especially moms, we, we have this need to fix things for our kids. It can come across as helicopter parenting, snowplow parenting. And so once we realize we don't have to fix everything, we can just be there for our kids. That is going to create a better connection. A lot of teens tell me I stopped talking to my parents because all they want to do is fix it and lecture me. So once we realize I just need to be there to love and support my child unconditionally, our anxiety goes down. When our anxiety is down, our cortisol goes down in our bodies, our oxytocin goes up, which is about bonding, and our kids feed off of that. If we're constantly stressed about fixing it for them, they get that vibe and it's not great for the connection. So what you do is you listen, you ask questions out of curiosity instead of out of judgment, and you get to know who they are. 
and they are changing from day to day right now as they experience the world around them. So just get curious and stop the judgment that will create a better connection. I think that is such a great like first step that people need to take into that. And I love what you talked about the cortisol, um, lowering that cortisol and the, the friend, I see so many mothers with frenzied energy, mm-hmm. right? Especially if they've been in a toxic relationship, which many of my, you know, my listeners have, have been. And so there's that, just that like hypervigilant frenzied energy that you're saying actually pushes kids away rather than well, look how much I love them. Do they know how much I love them? Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, if you are at a place where you don't know where to start, just stop and reflect on the person on the other side of your relationship, whether it's a son or a daughter and think about yourself at that age and what you needed. Mm -hmm. You didn't need someone constantly fixing it. You definitely didn't need lectures. You needed someone who that you knew loved you unconditionally but gave you the space to be who you who you wanted to be, who you were, who you are. And that's where you can start. And it's one small thing at a time. So if anybody's listening, thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm messing this all up. That's not what this is about. This is about just awareness because when you're aware, then you can make changes and make one small change at a time. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. Um, just think of one thing that you can do today with your kids. And that might be not fixing it anymore. If they come home and say they failed the test, just be there for them. Don't think about how you're going to make sure they don't fail the next one or they get a better grade, do a makeup test. Just think, oh, that must be difficult. Or what do you think went wrong without the judgment and just just be there. So what happens or are there any real warning signs that it's like, okay, my, my kid is in like some type of danger zone. So it's not that you want to jump in with judgment, mm-hmm. but there there needs to be further action, some type of further action taken because their child's in a real danger zone. What are some um, things to watch out for that your child may be in that unsafe place? This is a really difficult question because what we find is that our tweens and teens are extremely good about masking um, depression and anxiety. And if you ask a kid how they are, what word do they usually answer with? Fine, or mm-hmm. everything's okay. So I can give you the typical warning signs, but really what we have to do is we have to know our kids. We have to know if there's a big change in their behavior, in their personality, if they've stopped bathing, showering, caring about anything, if they've withdrawn from all of their friendships, they've withdrawn from you. Those are the things that you have to look for, a big change in their personality. Now, what makes this difficult is our kids are changing in big ways when they're going through you know, adolescence. So don't panic if you do see this change, like one day they're wearing pink, the next day they're wearing black, that may just be a normal development. But I would say, listen to your spidey sense, your parental spidey yeah. sense, if there's something wrong. And if you are concerned Take them to your pediatrician is a good place to start. Most of them these days do the depression inventory and ask questions about mental health, but um, definitely don't ignore it if you think that there might be something wrong. Awesome. Awesome. So um, great conversation. Will you tell people where they can find out more about you? Sure. They can go to teenwiseseattle.com. It's the easiest place to go. But also, I would love to offer up a free ebook. Uh, It's based on finding compassion for yourself when parenting 
because we are never the perfect parents and you don't have to beat yourself up about it. You can still love yourself. And the great thing about that is when you show yourself self-compassion, that filters down to your kids. They're learning that as well. So you can go to tinyurl.com backslash TWCompassion. Awesome. And we can put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for that. So if you got to broadcast your voice to the entire world for one minute, what would you say about teens or parenting? Parenting a teen is not an easy endeavor, but it is so worth it. You just have to remember to put your teen's mental health and your connection with them before academics, before achievement, and love them unconditionally. Awesome, Sherry. Thank you so much for helping us today on our journey to becoming toxic person proof. Are you loving the Toxic Person Proof podcast? Don't forget to check out the book, Becoming Toxic Person Proof. Clear the confusion and learn to trust yourself again. Available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support. And most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.